Yeah, like Ben said, um, we're carrying on the series, just refocusing on what our vision was for this year, our focus. And Paul looked last week at Breathing New Life. Ben, the week before, looked at the Arise and Build. And it's all based around the, the book in the Old Testament of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah basically comes back to Jerusalem from a time where the Israelites have been in captivity in Babylon, and he comes back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls. And that's just what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to take a particular chapter in Nehemiah and look at it, but I just want to look at how do we know where we fit? How do we know where our place is? And you've all come in this morning and you found your place. Some of you have sat where you normally sat and, and God help anyone who sat in your seat. Some of you have just come in and thought, well, where do I sit? It's my first time. Where, where is the politically correct place to sit in this church? And, and maybe not really been sure or known where to sit. Some of you have sat somewhere and then thought, oh no, that person who sings really loudly and badly has sat behind me. Have I still got time to move? I think that every week and wonder if I'm going to get knocked over by Ben or Paul or even Rob sometimes when they're bounding about and it's quite a dangerous place on the front row so be glad where you're sitting but you know we all want to find a place whether whether we've we're catching the train and we've got a train ticket and oh it's just awful those times when you don't have an allocated seat and sometimes you end up I've sat myself in like the the baggage area and sort of prized my bottom on someone's suitcase because there's just no seats and I haven't been allocated one you know, sometimes when you go to the theatre and somebody's actually sat in your seat and you're like showing them on your ticket, no, I think you'll find this is my seat. You're in the wrong row and we have to make sure we tell them and they need to move. And when we, we've recently been on holiday and we were sitting in the departure lounge of the, lounge of the airport and they started calling the seats and people just sit there. Plane won't go until we've all got on it. It's like, well, they've called your seat. Go and get on it. That's the whole point of it. But, you know, when you've got an allocated seat, we feel quite relaxed. It's okay. When the seat is allocated, no one's going to sit in it. We're just going to sit there. That is our seat. My, my number is on my ticket, and I will sit in that seat, in that row, and I can feel quite relaxed about it. So if I'm a little bit late, it doesn't matter. That seat is there waiting for me. I've found my place. But then... When there is no seat allocation, like on some budget airlines, all hell breaks loose when they call for that plane because everybody runs. And Paul and myself went to Amsterdam quite a few years ago and we, we were catching one of these budget airlines and we were sitting there waiting for them to call us, but we didn't realise that there was no number on the seat. And a man said, oh, you just have to go, you just have to go, just go, go, go. And we were like, oh, Go. Bedlam breaks out when you don't know where your place is. When you know where your place is, there's peace, there's security. You can take your time. You can enjoy it. My seat's waiting for me. No one's going to sit in it. If they do, I will show them my ticket and they can move. But otherwise, it's there and it's waiting. When you've got no seat allocation, the difficulty comes when you've got children. You're thinking, we've booked for the cinema, but we need to make sure we get there early because we need to all sit together because we're going as a family or we need to make sure we're together. How can we make sure we get... And you sort of get a bit, a bit of rough and tumble with people. Let's just give them a shove out of the way and make sure we get where we'd like to sit. You know, so really, when we know where we're sitting, when we know who we are, we can be confident. We have peace. But some of us are on a journey to knowing who we are and knowing where our seat is. 
And it can feel a bit difficult sometimes. And we can feel a bit unsure and we don't really know. And what should we do? And who am I? But you know what? I believe that whether you know who you are and you know where your place is or whether you don't really know who you are and you're on a bit of a journey with that and you don't really know where your place is, that that's okay. It doesn't matter which camp you fall into or whether you're somewhere meandering in between in finding your place. All you need to be able to say is, well, this is me. This is me. Whether I'm discovered or not, this is me. Whether I'm whether I've got it all together or whether I'm all over the place, this is me. Whether I'm whole or broken, this is me. So this morning, I want to encourage you, no matter where you find yourself, whether your seat is allocated and you know exactly the plan for your life and exactly what you're doing, or whether you're just thinking, I haven't even got my ticket, let alone know where my seat is, it doesn't matter. That is who you are and where you are. And there is a peace to be found in that place. You know, and it's okay to be you. God loves you in and through all your differences. Be yourself. But don't let who you are be the the decisive force for who you are. Don't be known for being that person as, yes, I know who I am and I'm going to let everybody else know who I am and I'm going to make sure everyone else, if they would like to, would join me on the path of who I am. You ever met someone like that? They're fun, aren't they? But don't also let your driving force be, well, I just don't know who I am and I'm going to tell everybody that I don't know who I am and I'm going to drag everybody with me on the journey of, I just don't know who I am. I don't know where I fit. I don't know what's going on in my life. Have you met people like that as well? Probably thinking, yeah, that's me, actually. Don't let that be the driving force of who you are. Don't let it be the driving force. Don't let that be the thing that impressions on everyone more than anything else. Let me ask you this question. Does the statement of who you are or that you don't know who you are make a bigger mark on people than that you are a son or a daughter of God. Because no matter where you are on that journey of finding yourself and finding your purpose and finding your peace in life, first and foremost, if you choose it, if you make that decision, you are a son or a daughter of God. And that is who you are. So this morning, you may have seen me put on Facebook, I'm speaking on finding out who you are. And you may have thought, this is it. I need to be there. I need to find who I am. I've been on this journey for too long. I just can't find myself. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I fit. And you're sitting here saying, give it to me. Give me the thing I need. Give me the thing I need so I know who I am. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. And that is who you are. Don't get so caught up in trying to find your purpose and trying to find your place when all you need to know is that you are, like we sang, who he says you are. And who does he say you are? He says that you are his son or his daughter if you choose to be. He says that you are chosen. He says that you are forgiven. And it doesn't matter what you have done. And you may be thinking, you don't know what I've done. Well, let me tell you, you don't know what I've done. And I'm forgiven. You don't know what Paul's done. You don't know what someone else, you don't know what a person next to you's done or where they've been. But they are forgiven. 
and you're alive in him, that you're holy, that there's peace, that you've got workmanship, that you are an heir of all of his promises, that he is everything you need, that you are the righteousness of God, that there is light in and through you, that you are redeemed, that life is everything in Christ, that you are healed, you are whole, you are loved, you are strong, you are who he says you are. So when you find yourself in a place and you think, I just don't know who I am. I just don't know where I fit. I just don't know where my place is. I don't know what I should be doing. Let me tell you, you are a son or a daughter of the living God and you are who he says you are. And that is enough. Stop scrapping around and trying to find it and trying to say, oh, I finally found my tag or my label that says who I am. I finally found my purpose in life. Oh, I can be satisfied. Purposes and plans change. Paths change and go in different ways. Sometimes we tread a path and then we tread a different path and we're no longer that person that may no longer be our identity, but you will never change from being a son or a daughter of God and who he says you are. I'm going to read you this quote by C.S. Lewis. It's not on this screen. I think it's a bit controversial myself. It says, God can, can... Sorry, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. Because it is not that because it is not there, there is no such thing. If you can't find peace and happiness in God, it's nowhere. And you may for a time or a season find peace and happiness in a relationship, in a job, in fulfilling some purpose that you're doing that makes you feel good. But ultimately, peace and happiness is found in God. And you may think, oh, that's a bit harsh. But peace and happiness is found in God. So when you're trying to look for your purpose in life through what you do, when you're trying to look for your purpose in life through relationships, when you're trying to look for your purpose in life by achieving and doing well at school or university, when you're trying to look for your purpose in life by getting enough money, when you're trying to look for your purpose and finding your place in life through having things, through having a family, through having children, whatever it is that flicks your switch and makes you feel like you've got there, let me tell you, unless you find it in God, it will never be there. There will always be an emptiness and a wondering of who you are and where you fit. I really believe that when God heals and cleans our hearts, there's peace to be found in knowing who we are in him. So it is really the issue that we face comes from well, what do I do? And what defines me? And, and how am I fulfilled through my purpose? And we get so caught up in these things that we get a little bit lost when really, well, I know who I am because I'm a daughter or a son of God. And anything else is just a bonus. Anything else that I put my hand to or that I do or that I achieve, any relationship, is a bonus on top of the fact that my place is in God. So if you've come this morning thinking, tell me how to find it, tell me how to get it, tell me, where is it? It's in God. Be his son, be his daughter. And that is the place where there is satisfaction and fulfillment above and beyond anything that you do and anything that you can achieve. And then anything else is just a winner and a bonus and a cherry on top of the cake. I really like cherries. 
the nice. That's just an added bonus. So this morning, I'm going to speak from Nehemiah 3. And Nehemiah 3 is perhaps, for those of you who may know it, is a bit of a strange chapter of the Bible. It basically tells the story of who built which part of the wall. So Nehemiah 1 and 2 tell the story of Nehemiah and how he came back to Jerusalem and how God was with him and how the people were really excited by what he came and said and they were all really keen to arise and build and go and do all this stuff. And then Nehemiah chapter 3 comes along and it's literally a whole chapter that talks about this person built the wall from this section to this section, these people built these gates, these people built this next section of wall, these next people built these next section of wall and I'm not going to read it because if you look at it yourself, I can't pronounce any of the names in it so if you want to look at it please go and have a look but the names in it are really big and really long but the whole chapter is just basically about who built this gate who built that gate who built this next section of the wall and there are many preachers out there on this chapter of the bible talking about the significance of the gates and the significance of the wall and I'm not going to talk about any of that this morning I'm going to talk about these individuals who filled those gaps in in the wall And what we can learn from them about finding our place. And I know I've said to you this morning that you find your place by finding who you are in God. By just being in good God. By just knowing that you are God's son or daughter. But I still think it leaves us with questions. And we've still got to go on that journey to find a peace. And that's what I want to try and take you through this morning with the few points that I've got for you. And you know, so often... People can, and we see this in Nehemiah 3, people can be born into their place. They just know who they are because they were born as that person and then they fulfill a role or a purpose because of it. Sometimes people find the place because that's where they're from. This is who I am because I come from this country or this part of the world. Some of us find a place through our profession. Some of us find a place by being a son or a daughter or a mother or a father. Some of us find our place by having some sort of leadership role. And in each of the people that we look at in Nehemiah 3, there are priests, there are leaders, there are people who oversee parts of cities, there are people from from towns outside of Jerusalem that all come and do it. There are sons, there are daughters, all who come and build the wall. And yet, I still think we ask this question, where is my place? Where is my place? Okay, I know my place is with God, but where is my place then? We all want to know, who am I? We want to learn about me and we want to find ourselves. Very often you see people going on a journey and traveling and taking time out to try and find themselves. It's something built in us that we want to know who we are. But the peace comes from knowing that, well, I fit with God. He fulfills me. You know, we can get so worried about where we fit and fulfilling purpose. But we see in Nehemiah 2 that ultimately the people said, let us arise and build. So it wasn't about, oh, well, well, where do I fit? I feel like I fit building this gate. This is my thing. I know it didn't matter. They just said, let us arise and build this morning. If you've said yes to Jesus, then Let us just arise and build. Whatever that is, whatever that means, whatever that takes, let us just be a part. When you've said, I have decided to follow Jesus, let's just follow him. Stop getting so caught up in the where and the how and the why and the what for. God will bring that about. 
You know, some of you may have children who've gone back to school into a new class. Some of you may have children who've started school and gone to nursery for the first time. And, you know, when the kids got there in the nursery class on the first day, the nursery teacher wasn't by the door and saying, you know, what are you going to specialise in in nursery? Do you want to specialise in cutting out? Are you specialising in the role play? Are you going to be specialising in, in messy play? Do you want to specialise in outdoor play? Can you, can you please make a decision now? They don't do that. They don't do that. But in the same way, we find ourselves, oh, what's my thing? What is my thing? What's the thing that I do? Because when I find the thing that I do, then I'll be fulfilled and I'll be okay and I'll find my peace. Do you know what? If you've not found God in the first place, then it doesn't make no difference. And what do the nursery teachers do? They just let the kids loose. They let them loose. There's messy play flying around while they're wearing dress-up clothes, while they're wearing a bob the builder helmet, while they've got a hammer in their hands, smacking another child on the head, wondering if that's the way they should go. Maybe not, because I've had to sit on the timeout chair. <laughs> they just let them explore. God loves you. God wants you to explore the things that you enjoy, the place where you find your peace, the things that you want to do. Feel free to explore and find maybe that little place where you fit. But ultimately, it's about knowing that God loves us and that we fit in him. And I think ultimately the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I want to be a part or do I want to stand alone? And that's the question you need to ask yourself this morning. And you may say to yourself, but, 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 but I don't know where I fit. But that doesn't matter. Do you want to stand alone or do you want to be apart? But, but I, I, I find it difficult. I struggle. I'm a bit of an introvert. It doesn't matter. Do you want to be apart or do you want to stand alone? You may say, yeah, but I'm not like everyone else. They're all a bit odd and a bit strange or maybe I'm odd and strange and it just doesn't seem to fit. It doesn't matter. Do you want to be apart or do you want to stand alone? And if you can answer that question, then all of your excuses and all of your insecurities and all of your concerns and all of your worries that stop you being apart will fall by the wayside. Because if the answer to that question is, well, I do want to be apart, but ignore the but and choose to be apart. Nehemiah 3 verse 5 from the message said this, and next to him, the Tekotites, except for their nobles who would not work with their master and refused to get their hands dirty with such work. It's the only place in Nehemiah 3 where we find some people who refuse to do the work. But here, the nobles from this particular community refused to get involved. They chose not to be a part. They chose to stand alone. They chose to say, no, I'm actually... I'm better than doing that. I'm better than getting a bit of cement on my hands and getting down on my hands and knees. They chose not to be a part. And ultimately, when you're looking to find your place, the question is, do I want to be a part or do I want to stand alone? Because if you choose to be a part, when we talked originally about finding your place and knowing where we fit, we, we did the image and you can see it behind the dry stone wall. And the reason we use that is because we said not everybody is uniform like in the bricks that we see in houses. Not everybody looks the same and is the same. And we wanted to celebrate that. We want you to know that we celebrate all of our differences 
all of, all of our quirks and, and oddities. We want to celebrate those and say that in amongst those, there is a place for everybody. There is somewhere where everybody will fit, where everyone can find their place in the house of God. Because he made you with all your quirks and all your strangeness and all your oddness and all your wonderfulness. And when he looked in the beginning, he said, whoa, it's good. It might be odd, but it's good. And no ma- when, when you look at a dry stone wall working, and I was watching one the other day on a program on the tally, and they'd got like different bricks on the floor, and they were working between, they, they put lines of strings so they know where they're working, and they just picked the different ones up, and they just knew which one would fit there. Because they're a master stone waller. They, they've been doing it for years. They've perfected the art. And I want to encourage you this morning that you may look at yourself and think, have you seen the shape of me? I'm not fitting anywhere. Have you seen how I am? Have you seen how I behave? I don't fit anywhere. No one wants to sit with me. But God will look down on you if you choose to say, I want to be a part of this. He will look down on you and he'll think, I know the exact place for you. In that little crevice there, in that big spot where no one else can fit, that is where you go. That is where you fit. Where is your place? Your place is waiting for God to fit you in amongst everybody else. Our place is working together. Our place is doing God's work. And that's my next point. What we see in Nehemiah 3 is that they they do God's work. And they've all come, they've all agreed, let us arise and build. We believe this is God. We've been sent the resource. So we want to arise and build and do God's work. This morning, are you ready and willing to do God's work? No matter what that looks like, no matter what that takes. And it's so surprising what a common purpose and vision they'll do. I'm part of a couple of groups on Facebook. One, um, a Facebook group that's all about the type of dog we own. And everybody in this group owns the same sort of dog as us. And there are some interesting and strange people in that group from things that they post. But we're all in there together because we all love a border terrier. And it's brought us together. And these people I would probably never have met, some of them from right around the world, some of them I would probably never choose to spend time with out of my choice. But I spend time with them in this Facebook group because we all love Border Terriers. You may be in Facebook, I can't say, Facebook groups, it's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Groups yourself. And you think, I may not be part of this apart from this one thing, this common purpose, this common goal that we had. A couple of years ago, myself and my two girls ran the Race for Life at Trenton. And there was lots of different people there, all shapes and sizes, all sorts of backgrounds. But we were all there with a common purpose and a common aim was to raise money for cancer research to help to deal with that dreadful disease. But we were there because we had a common aim and a purpose. If we have, as a church, a common aim and a purpose, that we want to see the lost saved, that we want to be kind to those around us, that we want to love on our community, that we want to help each other be whole and grow, if we have that common aim and purpose, then we can do God's work. It doesn't matter exactly what you do or where you do it or where you fit or what hat you wear, but if we choose to do God's work then we can do that no matter where we are or no matter what we do, no matter what badge we wear or what position we hold. 
because we have a common aim and vision for what we want to see for one another and for those who don't know Jesus. The third thing I want to say to you from Nehemiah 3 is this. Begin where your heart is. You know, sometimes we just say, oh, I just don't know. I just don't know where I want to serve. I, I, I don't know what I want to do. Begin where your heart is. In Nehemiah 3, in verses 23, 28, and 29, let me read to you from them. Benjamin and Hashub built the next section, which was in front of their houses. Azariah, the son of Messiah, and grandson of Ananiah built the next section, which was in front of his house. Verse 28. A group of priests built the next section, going north from the horse gate, each one building in front of his own house. Verse 29. Zadak, son of Immer, built the next section, which was in front of his house. They all built in front of their house. Where in... I'm not talking about where you live necessarily, but your house is somewhere you position yourself. Your house is somewhere you plant yourself. It's somewhere that, you know, you feel comfortable there. It's a place where you go to relax. It's a place that you love and it's your house. But can I encourage you that it didn't say they began in the house. Sometimes we can all say, oh, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just need to focus or I'm just doing this. They didn't begin in their house. They ba began outside of their house. They stretched themselves beyond who they were and where they were. They stretched beyond it and began building outside of who they are, outside of their comfort zone. And when you go through it, we see that there are priests, there are perfume makers, there are goldsmiths, all building a wall. Now, when they did their trade, I'm sure they didn't teach them anything about how to build a wall. And yet these priests and these perfume makers and these goldsmiths are all there building the wall because that was God's work. And that was what they needed to do in that season. Can I encourage you? Step outside of where you are, but begin where your heart is. But begin to step outside, begin to do a little bit more. We see in Nehemiah that it keeps saying, they, they began here and they went as far as. They went further than where they started. God's calling you out from where you are now to go that little bit further, to take that next step. Begin where your heart is, begin where you are. But God wants you to take a bigger step, to go one step more, to go a little bit further than you've ever been before. Very often in the morning, Olivia, Olivia and I, my youngest daughter, will go and walk the dog. And we'll get so far, and she'll say to me, how far are we going today? Because I know she's ready to go back. So we have certain points on the walk where, depending on how far I think she wants to go, and to be honest, depending on how far I feel like going myself, that I'll say to you, oh, well, shall we go to Lady Hill? Or shall we go to the 3040 sign? Or... This is the biggest one. Shall we go to the border lady's house? Now, this is a lady who I've stalked, who lives on the main road, who also owns a border terrier. I don't know what her name is. I think the dog's called Charlie because Paul spoke to her once. But I've never actually spoke to her. But I know where she lives and I know she owns a border terrier. But sometimes we'll walk as far as her house. And, you know, sometimes for the love of Olivia, and because I know she's had enough, I'll say, let's just go to the 30, 40 sign because it's not as far. But some days I think, 
we can go a bit further today. Come on, let's go to Lady Hill. Let's stretch it out. Let's push it a bit more. And I want to encourage you. God, for the love of you, will keep you where you are and allow you to stay in your comfort zone and where you feel comfortable. But you know what? There will always be an element of him where he thinks, come on, you can do a bit more. Come on, you can step a bit further. Come on, you can step out and above what you've ever done before. By faith, by trusting me, there's a little bit more in you. Come on, you can do it. There's a little bit more serving in you. There's a little bit more love in you. There's a little bit more joy in you. Come on, you can go a little bit further. You can stretch yourself. You may have been trained as a perfume maker, but today you're building a wall. You may have been brought up as a high priest or a priest, and that may be all you know, but actually today you're building a wall and God wants to call you come this little bit more come a little bit further than you've been before and God wants you to step out in faith and do a little bit more always begin with where your heart is but always be ready and expect that God's saying come on let's go a little bit further on our walk today Let's go a little bit further building this wall today because, wow, what a blessing it will be to everyone else if we do that. Do a little bit more than you've ever done before. The next thing I think we see, and it's just so evident, and what I love so much in this chapter, is that they serve alongside others. Have a look at the person next to you. They're interesting, aren't they? You may have sat by and by choice. Have a look at the people in front and behind you. You may not have sat by them by choice. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, and it might just be me because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself. Is anyone else like that? It's just easier to do it yourself, isn't it? So yesterday, and a lot of the time, I'll say to the girls, can you tidy this up or can you tidy that up? And... They sort of do, and then, but there's still other things. So unless I itemise everything and say, can you take that cup out and put that rubbish in the bin and put them socks in the washing machine? This was a conversation I had with Olivia yesterday. And then can you please go and get changed, but then you need to do your reading as well. And it was a bit like information overload, I suppose. But unless you itemise something, they just, people just do what they want. So you get to the point and you just think, oh, it's just easy to do it myself. I can do it quicker and take less energy than trying to explain to somebody else every little thing that I want them to do to sort it out. But actually what I realize is, yes, it's probably easier for me and it's probably easier for them actually in the short term. But in the long term, if I don't teach them to clean up and tidy up, then what am I doing to help them? So sometimes when it comes to serving alongside others, sometimes it's just so much easier to do it yourself. It's so much easier not to ask someone for help. It's so much easier, but if we get that bigger love that God's got for people and we allow that to overflow from us, then it will help us as we serve alongside others. It will help us to encourage one another. It will help us to bless one another. And you know, we see in Nehemiah all sorts of people serving alongside each other. And it didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter that, that they were just a small, insignificant person. They were there and had a place to build the wall. 
In, in verse 1, we see the high priest there building the wall. In verse 9 and verse 22, we see rulers of the half district of Jerusalem building the wall. In Nehemiah 3.12, we see it didn't matter whether you were male or female. There were someone's daughters helping to build the wall. It didn't, it, it didn't matter what job they held. In verse 8, we see the goldsmiths and the perfume makers rebuilding the wall. And sometimes we can use it as excuses. Oh, well, I'm only a woman. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I, this is what I do for my job. I've got no experience of that. Oh, well, excuse me, I'm the high priest. I do not build walls. You know, sometimes it comes down to where they lived. And I've talked about this before. People from different areas People who came from different towns came in. People who built outside their own houses. It was about where they came from. And sometimes these can be a hindrance to us. It can hinder us. And we can say, well, no, this isn't for me because, you know, that's not what they do for my part of the country. That's not what they do from there. But God wants us to serve alongside others. It's for the bigger picture of what he's doing. It's not about the individual things. It's not about the small things. It's not about who we are. But it's about the bigger picture of who God is. It's not about saying to someone, Whoa, pff, look at the perfume makers. Look how they've built their bit of wall. Look at the men from Jericho. Pff, they can't even keep their city up. Look, they're trying to build a wall. It's not about cement shaming. It's about encouraging one another. You know, and can I just say, there was some serious cement shaming going on last week on this stage. My husband, who shall not be named, got up here and preached an amazing message, but then also told everybody that I'd burnt a hole in his shirt. There has never before in the whole 15 years of our marriage been any comment about all the wonderful things that I have ironed. And oh, praise to Sarah, who has ironed this shirt today, looking good in it. And that looks nice, which you've damaged yourself with the iron. <laughs> Serious cement shaming. But instead, can we not focus upon... Your cement might not be very good, but wow, you've put that brick on straight. Wow, you've mixed your cement. Well, that's some great cement mixing going on over there, goldsmiths. Well done, keep it up. It's so easy to pick fault with other people and say, oh, they're not being a good Christian today. Oh, look what they've put on Facebook. Oh, look where they've been. Look what they've been doing. Oh, they haven't been into church for 10 weeks. I've been counting. Haven't really. But instead say, oh, how wonderful to see you this week. Instead say, oh, it's great to have you back. Can I encourage you? Keep living your life well. Let's encourage people and build them up because that's what they were trying to do, build a wall. They weren't trying to bring it down. They served alongside one another and they encouraged one another as they built. Can I encourage you? Let's encourage one another. Let's not do cement shaming in this church, but let's do some cement praising in this church. Let's encourage people with what they're doing, whether they're building in their life or whether they're building as part of what they're doing. You know, the last couple of weeks, I felt a bit of pressure because Ben did a great preach and, and he had Rob up on the stage and, and he had this huge sword and a spade and he was talking about building Paul spoke last week and, and he had Rob dressed up in, in this harness and like lowered him off the stage. And then I was like, I said in the office this week, 
oh, I, I need to think of something that Rob can do. I, I feel the pressure. <laughs> and so I found this really good story. Sorry, Rob, not told you before. And, and it's about some, some native Philippines. And, and they were wearing loincloths. And they were playing croquet. Are you up for it this morning, Rob? It's worth a try. Let me tell you this story, though. It's serious. It's a true story. So West, some Western missionaries went to remote Philippine islands. And oddly, they set up a croquet game in their garden or just outside where they were living. And the natives were like, well, what's this? So they explained. Then they gave them all, a, is it a hammer? No one knows. They gave them all a hammer and a mallet. And, oh, it's a mallet and a ball. I should read what I've put down. They gave them a mallet. That's what they used to hit the ball. Has anyone ever played croquet? Oh, okay. Okay, so some of you are with me. The rest of you have gone. And they gave them a mallet and a ball, and they, they began to play. And apparently, it gets to a point in the game where there's opportunity to knock the other people out, their ball out of whatever, it's in a court or whatever, and go on to win. So the missionaries explained this to the native Philippines and said, look, if, if you knock these balls out here, if you do this now, then you can go on and win. And the native Philippines were like, well, well why would I want to do that? Why, why would I want to knock his ball out of the court? And the missionaries explained it again and, and explained it, it's so you win. And, and the native Philippines looked on in complete bewilderment. And they were from a hunting gathering um, society. And, and the people there survived not by competing, but by working together and sharing equally. And the game continued. And, and no one followed the missionary's advice. It doesn't bode well, does it, for what the missionary's gone to do and, and convert them to Christianity if they won't follow their advice about a croquet game. But they didn't follow the missionary's advice. And, and the game continued. And when a player eventually successfully conceded and completed the game, they would go back and help the other players and try to encourage them and show them, well, this is what I did. Try and do this so you can get to the, e the end. And, and as, as different ones began to finish... They kept going back until all of them were coming with the last player. And when the last player knocked the ball through whatever they knocked it through, one of them things, they all shouted, we won, we won. And that's how we should be as church. It shouldn't be about, whoa, let's knock their ball out so I can go and do this and I can be bigger than them. And I can, look, let's, cement, let's shame your cement and then everyone will look at how good mine is. No. Church, church should be there so we can work together, not competitively, but corporately. It's not about us winning or us doing something and everyone going, wow, check out their croquet game. It's about us working together for the glory of God. It's about one anothering. Can I encourage you? Let's serve alongside one another with encouragement and with hope and with belief that we, we are doing a great work, that we can arise and build and we can see great things for the glory of God. And the final thing I want to say to you this morning that's tucked away in Nehemiah 3 verse 20 and we saw it with the Philippine natives, be zealous. Nehemiah 3 verse 20 says this, next to him, Baruch, son of Zabi, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Elishab, the high priest. In the New King James Version, it says carefully. 
And the American Standard Version says earnestly. But the NIV, the Amplified and the NLT, all of those versions of the Bible say that he zealously repaired a section of the wall. And to be zealous means to have great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. What are you known for? What are you known for being zealous about? What are you known for being excited about? What do people know you for? Are you excited about your job and people know that about you, that that's what you're passionate and zealous about? Are you zealous and passionate about a hobby or a sport that you do and everybody knows that, that that's your thing? What are you zealous about? Are you zealous about one another and looking after one another? I remember growing up as a child, me and my sister used to fight like cat and dog. But if anybody else said anything about my sister, oh, they were in serious trouble because I was coming for them. It was okay that I could beat her up and be mean to her. But if anyone else tried it, they were having it. You know, and what are you zealous about? What are you passionate about? What are you working towards and making sure happens? What can't you go without? You know, and God is so zealous. God is so zealous about us. And he wants us to be zealous about one another. He wants us to be zealous about his work and the things that he calls us to. He wants us to be zealous about seeing the lost saved. He wants us to be zealous about rebuilding the walls of this community. He wants us to be zealous about people loving one another and showing kindness and generosity. He wants us to be zealous about lost souls. And this morning as we close... I just want to encourage you, ask God what he is zealous about. Because if you don't know where your place is or where you fit, then your place is right there with God, being zealous about the things that he's zealous about. Letting your heart break for the things that break his heart. We're going to sing the bridge of a song in a minute. And one of the lines says, everything I am for your kingdom's cause everything I am if it's everything that you are if your plan and your purpose and everything that you are is for the cause of Jesus Christ above and beyond anything else be zealous about the things that God is zealous about ask God to help you let go of the things that distract you Ask him to help you let go of the worries and concerns about who you are and where you fit. Ask him to heal you and clean you so that you know that you just fit in him. There is plan and purposes for you to be in him. This song says, heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. This morning we've talked about find my place. Your place is simply finding yourself in God. Because there in him, there is completeness. There is healing. 
there is joy, there is fulfillment, and there is purpose. And when we worry about everything else, we just need to go back and put ourselves back into God. And he will bring that peace. And he is that master stone waller will slot you into place at just the right time, at just the right minute. So when you're running around, worrying about what you do and where you fit, just find yourself in God and allow him to fit you in.